Next installment from the road to Tarascon. Chapter 2 The stained wooden floor didn't look too comfortable. Still, in vain, I huddled into my blanket next to my surgeon officer and listened to the chatter from the Americans fervently searching in the other rooms. Finally, they found an old kerosene lamp, providing warmth and a glimmer of light in the fading darkness. I had sat hunched over trying to keep warm for the best part of an hour, according to my watch, before daylight faded altogether. The fog shrouded the world outside into a depressing gloom. War did that to people. All sadness and depression. Nobody smiled or laughed anymore. I glanced towards Robert, who moved to the piano stool, the one I earlier on in the day had discovered those damning photos of my mother. I considered him a gentleman for all his authority and admired his genuine patience with those dark, brooding eyes. He reassured me with a smile all would be well. Did these soldiers think in their wildest dreams, British medical officers were enemy agents? Didn't their army teach them anything during their training course? Robert continued to help their CO, who faded in and out of consciousness during the afternoon. Annoyed at the audacity of their rudeness, I refused to budge from my nest of blankets, cramped up against the stone wall of the fireplace. One of them offered tea, but I declined the tepid-looking brown liquid, the smell reminding me of a pair of worn-out socks. The room was empty of all emotion. Enthusiasm for finding my mother had waned, as it was apparent the woman, if she had been here, was long gone. Despair entered my head as the radio crackled into life, loud and clear, for the second time in an hour. I was shaken out of my deliberations by the lieutenant's voice. My hopes rose. Turning away and speaking with his hand over the receiver, his words were muffled, his twanging accent grating in my head. Yes, sir. We'll do that, sir. No, sir. All okay, sir. He said, jamming the handset back into the brown pack. He spun around to deal with us British. Sorry about the mix-up, he said, pushing his combat helmet from his rounded head. I watched his shoulders relax, and with his back to the wall, he slid to the floor, placing his rifle next to him. Orders, ma'am, he said as if to nobody. Get you back to your unit as soon as possible. Command said there had been a report of German stragglers around this area, and the brass doesn't want anybody wandering around in these parts who shouldn't be here. I know you're looking for a place to put the wounded, and our medicos have suggested we take over the operation and evacuate them to our hospitals instead. I glared at him as if he had two heads, hoisting myself up off the floor, stretching aching limbs. Now, do you believe us? With a white cross on the roof of the ambulance, wouldn't it be obvious we are not enemy soldiers, lieutenant? Now, all we have managed to accomplish is to waste precious hours. I'll deal with this. Robert said. He took over and indicated that I should sit back and let him handle this situation with a nod of his head. My nurse is right, lieutenant. Time delayed here will be vital to your officer to get the best care in a spotless and well-equipped hospital. Now we are trapped here for the night and have limited supplies with us, he said, moving the lamp closer. You better hope to hell he survives. I won't be responsible for his death because of your stupidity. It was evident from this conversation that his patients deserted him, I thought. Now, see here, Doc. The sergeant interrupted, springing up from the wooden floor. You will fix him up, won't you? I'll do what I can, sergeant. It's a case of not having all the necessary equipment with us. We've got the basics to go on with till morning. Robert replied. Any more of your wonderful tea? I asked, changing the subject, and walking over to the stretcher. 
as I checked the wounded man, his eyes sprung open. Grabbing my cold hand, he whispered. Thanks. In defiance to the chill, putting my arm under his head, he managed to sip a tiny amount of warm tea from the tin mug I held to his thin lips. You'll be fine, I said, squeezing his arm. I was concerned for the young man, hoping he would survive at least until daylight. Tomorrow we would drive away from this open house, keeping my mother's secrets safe. The ghost would remain in the past when the woman who had given birth to me had decided to flee all those years ago. Tomorrow, I said. Tomorrow, you will be safe, I promise you. A tear rolled down my cheek, and I turned away in case the sergeant or Robert saw the sense of grief on my face. I pushed back my unruly hair and half-finished off the tea. A feeling of dread made me shiver. Wrapping the blanket around my shoulders, I closed my eyes on this dismal of all days, waiting until our little group departed with the dawn. Chapter 3 begins tomorrow.